Welcome to Talking In Stations. It's Matterall. It is June 18th, and today we're going to do something that we had postponed from Wednesday, which was uh, an episode of What the Leaders Are Saying. And what that means is we go and listen to their recordings to their groups, and we try to dissect what they're talking about. <clears throat> In this case, we're going to do just one leader, and that is Gobbins, and this is going to be the town hall that was held last Sunday. So we'll listen to uh, what he talks about. It's mostly not about the war that he's engaged in right now with the pandemic horde, mostly about CSM and CSM issues. But we thought, or I thought it was very interesting. So we'll, we'll look at it. We'll get an idea of how Gobbins thinks. And I, I think uh, that alone is very interesting. So a little bit about him first. You've known him as the pandemic horde leader. He wasn't the original leader. That was... Uh, Travis uh, Kakiri, I think, uh, who was a break off from Brave. Uh, but Gobbins is somebody who's been with Pandemic Legion a long time. Let's go look at his history. I uh, don't know. There's some notable corporations that he was a part of here. I like looking at early history, uh, like Northeastern SWAT. That is a good corporation at that time, 2009. Uh, so this may actually be his primary character, his first character. It may be his second or third character, and he's already experienced at the game. I should find out. Uh, but by the time uh, 2009 rolls around, he's in Northeastern SWAT. That is a group that uh, was notable at the time. I don't know Muppets with Blasters, but it sounds like kind of a, a meme group. You'll see later on he gets into, uh, let's see here, Repercussus is another group that was notable. Uh, we should find out where they're from. And then he gets into uh, Northeastern SWAT again and Sniggeredly. So this is all Pandemic Legion. And of course, he's a tournament player. He's an accomplished um, theory crafter and thinker. He's really one of Eve's, one of, uh, Eve's very rare, um, what would you call them? I don't want to say unicorn, because he can do many things. But he's, uh, he's basically one of the uh, thought leaders. That's the word I was looking for. A lot of people in EVE Online history have different reputations for different things. I think you have to give um, thought leader to Gobbins. As he's one of the preeminent thought leaders. He's somebody who thinks about the direction of many things and uh, tries to map out strategies. Everything from nuts and bolts mechanics to overall diplomacy to even game structure. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's hear from him. Uh, this, I think that was, this was uh, Sunday. It's an hour and 20 minutes. We'll try not to listen to all of it. But, uh, but I, I also just want to sit back and relax, have an enjoyable time listening with you guys. I don't have it mapped out like I want to. I just have a few notes. Uh, but the first part of this is going to be a lot of CSM. Then he's going to move into what they did uh, at about the 17-minute mark for CSM and you know, why their input was important. And he also talks about priorities uh, for CSM going forward. Now, he is a CSM member, and he's also very interested in it. And he'll explain a little history with Horde and the CSM and how that was a little... That gives you some insight onto what they think the CSM is for. And then at about the 50-minute mark, going to about a half hour of questions. For those that may not know, I just want to show you. Uh, Pandemic Horde lives in this red area here, Geminate, and they also, uh, of course, um, hang out, not in Great Wildlands, but actually a little further than that. 
over here um, into, I think Ethereum Reach is what I was looking for. It's over here. There it is. It's a little nearer to Geminate. Uh, we'll put that, oops. So that's where a lot of their uh, empire is, of course. So uh, that's where Horde lives. But of course, they are active in a war and basically occupying Delve at this moment. That is Delve. And uh, everything seems to be right around here as this war enters uh, the siege portion of uh, the war. Okay, so sit back and I'll take you for a little tour with Gobbins. We'll hear his voice coming up now. So let's get started. Uh, one thing important, I had some connection issues yesterday. So if I start to drop or my voice is cutting off, just spam CSM Tunnel and I will see it. So I can, I can, do, I can try to do something about it. Again, sorry we had to move uh, the tunnel from yesterday to today, uh, some internet issues. So uh, the topics that we will discuss today, I think what the people are most interested in and what they've been asking is, first of all, why should we care about the CSM at all? What, what has the CSM achieved uh, recently? Um, and what have we done within the CSM that warrants us putting all these effort to get our own candidates in every year. And then I will talk about briefly about what we'd like to see continuation of our work. This would be the third year that we have a candidate in the CSM, third year for me, third, uh, third term. And uh, the terms are now capped at three. So this would be my last term if I get elected, then I have to sit out at least uh, one year and we'll probably find somebody else to to do the CSM for the year that I can't do it. That's a new rule that uh, the term limits three years, three consecutive years. Just general topic of what the CSM has achieved. In order to answer this question, the most important thing is to look at what the state of the game was like before uh, we started getting our own guys into the CSM and how many things were changed since then. And so if you take a snapshot of EVE two years ago, you still had, number one, this, the meta completely dominated by these giant Super Cup umbrellas, where anybody that wanted to catch up or be part of the, like a serious player had to rely on a massive umbrella and then massive uh, mining operations, basically, and, and writing too, where in a small amount of space under the umbrella, you could generate basically an infinite amount of anomalies, whether it's for mining or for writing, protected under perfect coverage of the umbrella. On top of that, citadels were also much harder to kill. Uh, that, if you remember, back then there was no low power state, so you could spam that, these and not even fuel them. No yeah. abandoned back state. then was the defender could choose even about the, last year, the year before that, 2019 through 2020 on a certain day of the week, and not have to worry as much about defending your shit on the rest of the days of the week. There was a lot of really cancerous mechanic that people easily forget. Have, uh, had to be fought and essentially uh, gotten rid of from the game in order to allow the situation today. Now, it's important to point out that folks look at the situation today, complaining about the effects of scarcity, the effect that scarcity has on, uh, first of all, just the fun of making money or making less than before, sometimes for the same activity, but also on content because when there's less people out there making ISK, it's also harder to find content. And these are excellent critiques of uh, this, the state of scarcity. But 
to me, it's important whenever you frame such a critique that you remember that the reason we, we but CCP, had to implement such drastic measures with regards to the economy is that the situation was so uh, in such an um, unmanageable state, like runaway number of uh, just amount of minerals, money and super caps uh, put into the economy that they had to do something very drastic and we're dealing with it now. And I guess my bottom line is that most of the problems that caused this uh, runaway economy began before we got into the CSM. And I'm not saying that we were the only ones who helped fix this, but at least we were part of the effort through the other, the other colleagues in the CSM and CCP to bring the game back to the state, to a state closer to sustainability and what it is today. Um, so to me, in general, when talking about what CSM has achieved in the last two years, I would pinpoint as a very general topic, bringing the, the game back in terms of the economy and the meta back to a sustainable state as one of the uh, most important uh, accomplishments and uh, many small things. But one another one I'd like to point out is the formation of Team Talos that happened at the beginning of, uh, of the, the first term at CSM, the, my CSM two years ago. I think that was very important because for a long time, people asked for a small team that would just take care of uh, small changes, small balances. And now we almost take it for granted, but it didn't exist before. And previous iteration had been created by CCP of small teams that would just do small changes. And they lasted a very short time because they would repurpose these teams. They would make messy stuff where they wouldn't be able to work on what they were supposed to work. And now I think Team Talos has been able to do constant little iterations for almost two years, the most recent. Let's stop there for a second. Uh, one of the things he's talking about is uh, the accomplishment of Team Talos, which was uh, basically CCP Rise and uh, other programmers, two other guys, Signal. Uh, he's the develop, he's the actual programmer. Uh, and that team was put together basically to placate, I think, uh, NullSec and LowSec, and basically guys that are interested in ships and PvP. And that was their little group that they sectioned off. That's part of a larger team that does the overall ecology balance, like how much is money worth in the game and uh, how fast you uh, gain money, how fast do you lose money, that sorts of stuff. Uh, all that is in considered a, a circle of balance and health of the game. And that's run by CCP Rattati. So we talk about scarcity. That's the group you're talking about. And Team Talos is a subsection of that group that focuses on ship balance this is something that players have wanted since 2011, where uh, they thought that Incarna was a big waste of time and they wanted the game to be balanced so that they could learn and relearn how to use ships and surprise each other. Um, because a lot of the doctrines were essentially solved PVP, where you figured out what the best ship to use was. And at that point, um, I'm going to... I'm going to say you, you shouldn't say anybody out of CCP needs to be fired. And if, if, uh, if that continues, you'll actually not be able to say anything else. Uh, these guys work hard at balancing a game of hundreds of thousands of people so that everybody's happy is impossible. And uh, they make necessary changes that affect people's gameplay. But if you're unsatisfied with that, you're probably not, um, you know, you're not alive and you're certainly not alone. A lot of people are unsatisfied a lot. I am one of the most unsatisfied EVE players uh, in existence. Uh, and I'll explain that. It has a lot to do with this team that got created that is only about balance. And that's what they try to do. 
So the advanced players get a team to fix the game for them over and over and over again as they continue to solve and solve and solve. And that is why that is constantly changing. It's never ever in a, in a state where that ends, right? So there you go. We'll go on. But he thinks of that. This is Gobbins. Thinks that was a great accomplishment to get a team dedicated to those changes. And that happened uh, right after, pretty much right after Blackout, which would have been 2019 in the fall. Recent is now the, the blobs changes they're making. And uh, that I'm also very proud of. Uh, some work that was certainly helped and pushed for by the CSM of this team. Um, next, I will discuss what we more specifically have pushed for and accomplished in the CSM, but I wonder maybe if you have some quick question, I'll see if there's some like really important ones, otherwise we'll get all the questions in the end, but I'll give people like five seconds to put out questions for, for just this general part. Yeah, all right, he does a momentary okay. pause for his guys. So, um, yeah, I don't see any questions about this. Up. Just Okay. Um, oh, a quick thing. Uh, Ilian told me may not be around. Vlad, uh, will you be able to record and do the... We have accomplished. Mm, so I made programming a I'll go ahead 30 seconds. One of the things that this led to is CCP taking a more careful eye to uh, what is going on in terms of not just the big wars, but also just, just a roaming fleet looking for content. Why can't it find fight? Why can't it find fight? And one of the things I had tried to explain to them is that sometimes one issue with EVE is that the stakes are poorly designed. In other words, let's say that you start to do a mining operation or whatever it is, then you are able to pull all your ships away from the mining operation really easily. It's difficult for a hunter to use that as a way to escalate into a fight because by the time he finds you and gets there, there might be nobody to tackle. And on the other end, let's say that somebody's attacking your citadels. This, this was another example. And they're kind of troll refing your citadels and you want to defend them. You do want to fight, but the attacker is able to immediately pull off from the citadel. And essentially there's no stake for initiating some of these activities. And so we looked at it and obviously siege uh, mechanics were one of the most simple ways for it to have um, reliable stakes so for example you're trying to siege a pass in the old you know the old passes you would siege a dread and then your dread is stuck there you can't just pull it off from the pass you're stuck there for a certain amount of time which means that somebody with right timing can jump on your dreads and then you have to either give up your stakes or these dreads that you originally put on the field or do your own escalation and that was one of the sort of escalation paths that worked the best in eve and not everything needs to be based on a stake or something where you're tackled for a certain amount of time if you're trying to make money or if you're trying to attack something. Uh, but we looked at several elements in EVE and at least what could also be done, we saw, was that uh, maybe it could be possible for other things to become the stake than just the ship itself. That was one of the concepts behind the SS. Essentially, that somebody could go, and even if they miss your Ishtar or your writing ship, they could try to steal some of the money that you were making and then you have the choice. Do you want to go fight them to try and save that money? Or at least if they don't get a fight and you don't go to, to contest them and you just let them roam around in your space, uh, they could essentially uh, enrich themselves by, as a consider it sort of a consolation prize, harvest uh, as many ESSs as they found if, if you never contested a roaming gang, for example. And so uh, that was definitely one of the elements that was brought up by us and then 
not in ex we didn't the way it works with ccp you don't pitch like a finalized idea you talk about things and then for example in the case of the ess the part about how uh the, the whole reserve bank part the part of how it's inside an behind an acceleration gate in a dead space pocket and the rules of that dead space pocket and all stuff like that that was all sort of um you know designed by ccp with well, there's something I want to stop. And he's talking about how CCP works with the CSM. And it's very interesting if you look at it. He's saying that you don't actually get to say this is the problem. Here is the solution. Here are the four things that need to be changed in order to make that work better. Uh, that's not how they operate. Obviously, they don't want new players to just figure out how to take, you know, take advantage of things. But I think what he's saying is you get, you get to prioritize something saying this is a problem, much like Exuki did a few years ago for wormholers saying here's the problems that wormholers have. Not that wormholers have, but with the ecology of wormhole. Uh, he actually gave up some secrets of, that, that people wanted to keep quiet. And that got him into, him into a lot of trouble with other wormholers. But he was basically saying here's where the broken parts are, the parts that are good for us and the parts that are bad for us. And then CCP figures out, well, how do we fix that? And we'll fix it in these five or six ways. That is how the CCP can say, we can have these player representatives that obviously are conflicted, right? I mean, you have leaders of NullSec, seven or eight of them, inside this focus group on how to fix the game. That's a conflict of interest. But because it's democratic and these guys know to, law, you know, to leverage their guys for them, uh, they can get in there and there's just nothing anybody can do about that unless you change the system. That said, how do you protect gameplay from those people? Are they just so honorable that they won't actually uh, act on any information they may know? It's impossible to think that somebody is going to put themselves in a worse position uh, if they know that buying, a, for instance, buying a ton of low-end ore in September is not a great idea because it's not going to be as valuable in February. Why would they ever make that investment in September if they knew it wasn't going to be valuable in February? They won't. They're not cheating, but they're not going to put themselves in a bad position by making a bad investment. So they know certain things. I'm not saying they're dishonorable, but there's just no way to unknow the path of the game. So if they're asking for things, saying, here's an area that we want to fix, or if CCP is saying, we're looking at faction war, we know that you guys are good at faction war, why don't you tell us what's wrong with it? There is some kind of consensus on where the problems are, but CCP is going to figure out the details. Again, what he's saying is CCP figures out the details. What I'm thinking is, but Gobbins knows where the problems are and what the things are that they're going to fix. Uh, interactions with the CSM, but just to give an idea of, of these things work. Uh, well, we're, uh, I'm quite proud of the fact that this concept managed to go from an idea and a pitch to CCP to something that's implemented and that I think has a positive effect on uh, smaller roaming. And in general, besides just small gang and people in smaller alliances roaming, even when somebody from a big alliance decides to take out a smaller fleet in somebody's space, uh, the fact that there is this option to try and generate fight by poking the SS. Um, the other thing that I wanted to highlight that was sort of within the same sphere was I mentioned now the example of the citadels, right? And so when I was explaining this to CCP, I was also showing how when you're attacking a citadel, so now it's from the perspective of the attacker, 
if the defender is relatively rich, so most uh, alliance, block alliances, they can it can be convenient to just let a ton of citadels die and then replace them by spending ISK rather than constantly responding to troll refs or small confrontations, especially if you have citadels spread everywhere. Uh, that was a good example of this where, for example, logistic citadels used to jump, jump freighters all over the map. And so one of the problems that we had identified, that, so this can be solved from so many angles, but one of the problems we identified is that one of the things that really sucked for the attacker, attacker is that even if you win and contest it, the loot you get from a citadel is so little that you still feel like you wasted everybody's time. And so one of the ideas pitched as a simplest, like really low-hanging fruit solution was add some something expensive that needs to be inside the citadel and that always drops as loot so somebody can attack it and get it. And at the same time, add like a siege stake where if you're attacking a citadel, uh, have the attacker have to put down something like a SPU or whatever that allows them to attack the citadel. So if they're just doing troll refs and then they don't show up when the defenders do show up, the defenders can claim this little token or whatever as a, just a basic stake idea. And as you can see, they went with half of this idea. They did implement uh, the course. I think they didn't go far enough. I was hoping they'd make them more expensive and maybe some interactions with um, asset safety where maybe there would be a more expensive core that protected asset safety and then a, a basic core where you don't have asset safety. Anyways, there's many ideas around that. They did not implement the siege part of this. I keep asking them sometimes, you know, when, when is this coming? And, and for example, the, the siege part of this, they feel is not a priority, but still a cool idea. Um, yeah, so ESS and course, two of the things that they want to sort of spotlight as an example of a sort of a larger project and change that we pitched to CPN over the course of the two years they implemented. Other stuff that uh, I want to just quickly highlight from my list were the formations idea uh, that came from a, a bunch of discussions around how on one end bombers should become maybe stronger when it comes to dealing with expensive fleets or fleets that move very fast. Bombers have uh, struggled to, to really do anything about those fleets, like a bunch of munins. Uh, but on the other end, Bombers and AOE are ex were especially extremely strong against tech one fleets and more newbie-oriented fleets, whether it's a bunch of desis or it's a bunch of battle cruisers. Because every time you ping on grid, the fleet has to coalesce back into one little ball and then starburst again. And we were thinking of many solutions. And in the end, I thought it's pretty cool that they released the formations, which are not just a little bit of a solution in this direction, but also uh, maybe can be iterated on to create uh, more um, skillful gameplay for FCs that uh, want to use formation to do advanced stuff. Um, let's see if there, I see some questions popping up. Okay, no, nothing related yet. Um, and yeah, other small things that I wrote down that I wanted to highlight that were very specific to problems that I think everybody faces, but especially PH. We had spam of uh, corp mails in PH Inc because the game was set up in a way where uh, there was no rules to prevent any random member from spamming corp mails. And this was due to the fact that they wanted to uh, allow characters that were being sold, uh, sold uh, to notify their corporation because it was in the rules. If you sell a character, you have to notify your corp that the character is being transferred. And that was kind of a primitive Way to deal yeah, that's uh, totally primitive. Then 
fix it so that character transfers show in your uh, character history and that you no longer need to mail your corp and so they could add a role for this and we got rid of this uh, super cancerous mail spam that was in ph inc another thing related to that was you couldn't kick awoxers if they were just sitting cloaked in space that was another sort of glitch of how you can uh, kicking people from corp works and they fixed that so that you could now kick people that are cloaked uh, if they have no roles, etc. And this is just uh, as an example of why it's important to have our own representative that can push for problems that also interest uh, directly. Oh, this is interesting. There is change that can be done through the CSM. These are some of the examples. And by the way, before we had our first uh, representative in the CSM, I think for three years, uh, we voted for other people, just helping other, other people. We weren't interested in the CSM. So we helped other people with our votes. And none of them managed to get even this most basic thing like the corp mail done. I think in hindsight, when when you just rely on other people, they uh, they, they just don't have like the, the sort of uh, priority or the proper sort of drive to, to make even some of these small changes done, mm -hmm. which mostly requires staying on the problem and finding the right person at CCP that could do this and uh, very politely and patiently bringing up the problem, showing why it's an actual issue, not some quirk that you came up with, and then seeing what they can do and reminding them every now and then, and eventually uh, it gets done. And in that case, I want to shout out to Bara from CCP who has done a lot of these small changes that uh, we have highlighted and uh, encouraged them to do. Um, the most recent one being... Well, there you go. It's obvious influence to fix things in the game that you want to fix. If you have in fleet, instead of having to copy-paste your fleet thing into an external tool, the fleet window tells you the summary of how many ships you have in fleet. A small thing, but I think this small quality of life for FCs, that means the <laughs> FC doesn't have to copy and paste and use external tools. All these small things have, uh, add up and are really nice things um, that we now the reason i uh, stop here is because i just want to re-emphasize that point that they had supported other people's csm in other words not finding incredible value in it thinking that they would get representation out of their colleagues and that wasn't the case he says they needed their own guy who would bring their own issues up and stay on top of them instead of relying on somebody from a different alliance to stay on top of your issue and this is funny because Gavin sees it as important to get their guy in from their alliance. So does Noros. Obviously, so does Matani. These guys think it can't just be somebody on our side. It can't just be a Nullsec guy. It can't even be uh, an initiative guy or a Bastion guy. It's got to be our guy. It's got to be from our alliance, somebody we have direct influence over. We have done for, for the game. Uh, let me see the rest of my list. We can move to the last topic. Well, oh, yeah. I had here. So so here he goes through some of the stuff that he's proud of that the CSM did. We may jump ahead a little here to save some time, but we'll see. Just in the most recent quadrant, so the last, uh, the first four months of, of this year, or what were they considered the quadrant? Sorry, three months. Uh, we recently had on the CSM like a, a retrospective or a summary, and so I was able to... Uh, list some of the changes and I thought it's important to maybe mention them quickly because it's easy to quickly forget how many things are getting changed and improved and can go under the radar and so uh, just to highlight a few uh, just in in the 
three months of Q1, there was the formations, uh, the removal of burst nullification. That's something that, by the way, we pushed for. We weren't the only one on the CSM to push for it, but remember how cancerous it was when you tried to end doses and somebody fleet warped a bunch of scepters and bursted you? Uh, we got rid of that. Uh, the hidden come reworks, uh, the mobile sino, uh, the so the, the anchorable sino thing, which helps the, the logistics, uh, the changes to Bastion, which I think are very interesting to discuss as well. I don't know if we have time today, but uh, one direction which CCP has started to bring money back into the game with high risk, high reward PVE, so start to move away from scarcity. Uh, the expert systems, this were the thing, I think, when under the radar for many, where you can buy to have access to a few skills as a newbie quickly to try things, and then they come in these packs. Um, the fact that you can put multiple jump clones in citadels, the change to the target spectrum breaker, the one where it used to jam people that were targeting your battleship, and now instead it makes your SIG small. All right, he's going over uh, some... We'll go ahead a couple, maybe... ...forwards and some stuff is in the pipeline. Uh, conflict drivers just main things that motivate players to fight each other. And He's talking about even what CSM that, does to build conflict drivers. ...prevent two groups of players that want to fight each other, uh, but somehow can't because either the mechanics are messed up, there's problems with so time zone tanking and the mechanic works, or uh, there's problem with, uh, let's say, just finding the other fleets to fight. Uh, they may not be out at the same time because there's no clear objectives for them to fight over. Problems with the granularity of objectives. In other words, yes, if you want to go on a big war, you're gonna, they're going to have to fight you eventually. But what if you have a smaller gang and you want to start some trouble and make it uh, giving meaning for the defenders to come fight you rather than just ignore? That type of stuff. I think we pressed these ideas with CCP for two years and they've started to really see some of the value on working on these conflict drivers. As I mentioned, some things they already implemented, especially simpler things and low-hanging fruits. Um, I think this is a good time to also mention that this, and the, this doesn't just apply to NoSec, but I think uh, LowSec has a big role to play too. This is sort of a tangent, but uh, together with sorry, together with Phantomite and Corval uh, uh, this year, we have mic. done a series of presentations to CCB to really explain to them why helping develop low sec isn't just like a gimmick where oh yeah there's some people that like low sec and are special and so throw them a bone but it's a vital part of the ecosystem to prevent the super clustering of players within no sec blocks because if you and this is kind of a long tangent but essentially if you give enough health within low sec for a place where essentially the player infrastructure isn't as important and player defenses can't be maximize the way you do in NoSec, that allows smaller groups and people with less infrastructure and numbers to start creating some content for themselves, some, some things to do every day. If they have resources to harvest, if they have, then they have those resources to harvest, somebody else may try to contest those resources, they may fight over those resources and create a parallel ecosystem, if you will, that uh, can compete and uh, prevent just the NoSec mega blocks from from getting everybody and on that note i just thought i'd mention it because a lot of the stuff we proposed there needed too much work so it's not ongoing yet i hope i really hope that in the next year you'll see some of the fruit of uh, the work especially of uh, like phantomite and and, and torvald 
because couldn't quite see it this year. But at least a start is that when they redistributed the resources, they made it so very key resource, so tech one ore that you need for every tech one ship, every capital, and partly every tech two ship is only in low sec. And I think that's a great start in the right direction. The way they implemented it maybe is not the most optimized towards small groups, that more work can be done about that. But so on the subject of future plans and what they've done so far, as far as conflict drivers, I think this is a great step forward. We have also pushed and continue to push for the return of something equivalent to the old R64 moons, especially in LOSEC, as they were giving a great reason for people to come to LOSEC and fight, and also a way for LOSEC alliances to have some kind of uh, top-down income, whereas, you know, NOSEC alliances can rely on large either taxing or renters and stuff like that. Uh, that gives the LOSEC guys or LOSEC uh, options to have their own so anyways, and this works both as sustaining the, the an alternative ecosystem in LOSEC and also as a conflict driver, because you can go and have people fight. So anyways, one of our main goal, the main goal, I would say, continuing the push for conflict drivers. Uh, the second, as I mentioned, is uh, we're interested in making the game better for FCs. FCs are the people that generate the most content that allow other people to also enjoy the game. This is important. If you want to know how NullSec uh, and actually PVPers in general see fleet commanders, this is good insight into that. He's going to give an explanation on why they're so important and uh, see if you agree or disagree. By the way, Sort Dragon used to have a Discord when he was uh, a, a chief diplomat before he lost influence uh, and left uh, the game. He basically said that uh, his Discord had uh, just one title for people. And if you weren't that title you weren't really in that discord i think i was the only guest as media i was the only guy that didn't have a title everybody else that was in there was called content creator and everybody else that was in there under that title was an fc therefore the way that these null set guys and pvpers see fleet commanders is the content creators and he'll explain that uh, they're not the only important or the most necessarily the only important players in the game, but they have such an important role to play, especially when it comes to the ecosystem of content generation. Let's put it this way. I, I think it's, it'd be great if CCP can just make their, their life as easy as possible when it comes to quality of life from the perspective of the UI, from the perspective of some things on how to handle fleets, how to find fights, anything that helps that uh, is a big step forward. Some, ex some examples of the, the work we've done in this direction, without repeating myself, some of the UI changes, some of the formation changes, uh, and I hope uh, so as my number two priority, help can come from CCP in making FC's life better. Um, and the third thing, which is kind of a generic thing, but uh, we are a newbie corp and constantly interested in making the game easier and more accessible for newbies. This is the easiest because it's already a big priority at CCP. So regardless of what we do, they have a large number of people working on constantly improving the new player experience. They've also improved the system with which players can find initial information. They've set up this thing called Eve Academy, just uh, started just a few uh, weeks ago. It's very nice. It also has recommendations for newbie corps, including uh, a pandemic cords. So that's uh, really nice. Generally speaking, things like the um, 
what's this called? I just the expert systems that I just mentioned. So things where newer players don't have to buy injectors to try new things or wait for many months, but can maybe pay a little bit of risk uh, and or money. I don't know how it works now, but just have something unlocked for like a week or two and they can try it, whether it's exploration, whether it's mining, thing that helps the retention. And uh, uh, yeah, so the number three priority is uh, uh, new player oriented changes. Okay, yeah, that's uh, 30 minutes in, about 30 minutes in. That's what I want to talk about. And I can start answering the questions now. Ah, so you fall into Q and A here. I will here. take it from the beginning here. Okay, Toka asks, uh, "What are the views of the CSM regarding sub mechanics? Oh, no, it's not. Uh, and will Q &A. there be significant changes in future? Um, I think that there is always an interest in improving the sub mechanics. I don't think there is as much of a uh, panic or um, sort of an aggressive attitude towards sub mechanics being broken as much as there was at the beginning." Uh, way back when uh, AG sub just came out and Entosis was just totally uh, ridiculous or when the Citadel said all kinds of problems. I do think that there is a lot of room for improvements, especially when it comes to uh, one, Citadels and their interaction with time zones. So I still think that this will only get solved if you manage to make it so Citadels can be uh, I got both the armor and uh, the final timer fall within a weekend, whether you make it very short time between armor and hull, or whether yeah. you make it seven days between armor and hull. That was a big deal to them at the time because they wanted to have the weekend warriors. Now, if you think about it, Nullsec guys have been around a long time. They usually grow up out of college, have jobs, have families, get on with different periods of their life. They're not available to do uh, alarm clocks at you know three in the morning or whatever. They're certainly not available to hang around in a fleet to defend Rorquals all the time. So they are kind of weekend warriors where they can set aside some time. And this was bad for them, uh, this change, because uh, to kill a structure, you would have to reinforce it on a Friday in order to kill it on a Sunday because it takes three days. They really wanted two days so you could reinforce it on a Saturday and kill it the next day on a Sunday, but they didn't get that. Wormholers did, but not Nullsec. Uh, and apart from that, uh, as far as ages of the ages of part of sub goes, um, I think that again there there can be improvements. Especially something that just was floated about was that you could set up deciding your IOPS. Excuse me, whether uh, you wanted to so that essentially the defender could sort of control whether they would prefer to have many nodes. But that uh, spawn uh, was it like many nodes spawning uh, in a but they spawn more at once or have less nodes spawn but all clustered in similar systems and maybe even uh, the possibility of some weather effects having a chance to be triggered based on what you put in the IAB. These are all just ideas and I'm mentioning them because they're so far from finding I think interest or being implemented. But just trying to share with you what some of the ideas that were floated around ages of, um, I don't think that there was any big uh, sort of priority or emergency put into uh, both from the side of CCP or from the CSM. I still feel that to complete the core, it would be great to have some kind of siege stake added to SOV. You don't really need that for AGSOF because the Entosis ship, I guess, is your stake that you're putting there. It can't warp anywhere. It can get blapped if you get breached. Uh, but stake is for, what you're risking. For refing citadels, especially, 
I think that would be great uh, if you had to put down some kind of SPU, yeah. As, but I went over this before. Uh, let me see other questions. We are in Q&A period, by the Question way. Question about Munin, mainstay of major fleet battles, there are a chance of being rebalanced. So we, CCP tried to rebalance the Munin many times. I, I've lost count of how many small nerfs they, they did to the Munins over the last couple of years. I feel that every three, four months, they try to touch the Munin and the Eagle a little bit. Uh, my suggestion when it came to those touches was to try and influencing uh, range, most of all, because you can have essentially, I think the reason that the Muni is so broken is that in the same package, you have something that can fire from far enough. So the, the range isn't the highest range, but it's very good. It has high alpha and it has the speed plus the tank with the ADC. The tank is kind of, you could, you could argue again whether it's true that the Munin has too good of a tank or not, but at least for sure the Munin is incredibly fast. It has really good alpha and it has good range. And I'll stop him right there because I want to reemphasize uh, for the last year and a half or so, uh, Munins have been a big uh, ship to be used because of all the reasons that he just listed. It's fast, it packs a punch, uh, and in this day and age and EVE Online dictating range is actually really important. The other thing that's very important about Munins, these are um, heavy, uh, they're hacks, they're heavy, uh, heavy, they're heavy assault cruisers. I don't know why I couldn't get past heavy. Didn't seem to go with assault. <laughs> they're assault cruisers, basically. They're, they're, uh, they're tougher than normal cruisers. Uh, they have T2 tanks, basically. Uh, so these guys can go fast. They can uh, hit hard and they can maneuver and escape. And that's the big part of it. The Munins can actually get away. That's a big part of the meta now. It has been for a long time because normally if you come under attack from a sizable Munin fleet, you're going to drop caps in order to uh, scare them away. And uh, Munins can get away from caps rather easily. But he talks more about that. And let's listen to his take on it. And he is a fantastic pilot. So uh, Gobbins is not just a CEO leader, but he is... He is way in there on how things work. That's just too much of a combination to me. Even if you just slashed the range, but like severely affected it, you would bring the Munin into balance because yes, it can move fast. Uh, take the Vagabond. The Vagabond can also move very fast as, as the ADC and uh, uh, maybe not as good alpha. But the problem is that without the range, then there's so much counterplay to your speed. What's really messed up is when you have a lot of range and a lot of speed. That's kind of sometimes the problem for the Serb as well, but at least the Serb has other drawbacks. So when you ask if the Munin is going to be touched again, I'm pretty sure they will. It's just that they tried in many, many ways, and it seems that it's never quite enough of a, of a nerf, and they don't want to just completely break it. They also, by the way, they thought that uh, when the formations were introduced, that might have been and indirect nerf to the hack meta, because if it makes the battle cruisers more viable, just massive fleets of Ferroxes, for example, handle Munins very well. And so they thought, okay, let's give it some time. Let's see if just bringing the formations takes uh, Ferroxes and battle cruisers back into the main meta, and then that is it by itself a counter to Munins. Um, looking back, that was kind of interfered with by the. Um, the, the, the industry changes where the prices spiked for a while. Battle cruiser were too expensive, anyways. So I think we couldn't really see if that happened or not. Now the prices are back to a decent place. Battle cruisers are pretty cheap to replace. I think they're 
four times you can replace like four fitted ferroxes insured for the price of a munin. So who knows? Uh, maybe maybe the meta will change again. Uh, Aries asks, we saw changes being rammed through with very short amount to test drive. So that's they um, big complaint recently. They had announced those changes. Most of them were either part of a longer discussion with the CSM or at least the weeks before, like the blobs changed. They were at least in talks with the CSM for two weeks before they brought it to CC. And uh, my impression is that part of it is they kind of like to make up their mind first because they know it's once they start asking the players, unfortunately, they always get so much feedback in both directions. And then unfortunately, some of it is also quite toxic. So not super constructive. So I feel what they've uh, started doing is they they talk to, they, they come up with something they want to change. They make their their plans internally. They talk to each other. When they have something that they think is interesting, they ask CCP for feedback to see any glaring problems. For example, the blobs change, I think it's fine to disclose that at the beginning, they were thinking of totally removing the bridge. So you could no longer blobs bridge at all unless you jump the blobs with your bombers. And then, of course, we told them, look, this is a very big nerf to people that are casually trying to drop 10, 15 bombers because now suddenly you want to kill even just an Ishtar and you have to risk a 2 billion isk blobs every time you jump in. So, And so, okay, so they looked at that and then they changed to what it is now where you have both the bridge staying and you can also fleet jump. Uh, at least that's what's on CC right now. I don't know how they're doing future passes and iterations. That's just to give you an example. And then they, when they finally put it on CC, it's when they sort of want the last feedback from the players. And then it means that they're ready to release it soonish. What you also point out, I think, when you say about the short delay is uh, they don't really give enough warning. They don't give people enough warning before putting stuff on actual TQ from CC. Like some people complain that um, when notification was brought in, it came out of nowhere. People had to refit their their scouts, that their everything that would that to remove their uh, worker stabs, and they didn't know when. And so we brought that up with uh, with CCP. Actually, we told them, look, you gotta give the players a date in which they this stuff will come on TQ, so they can prepare. I disagree with Gobbins here. Uh, he's saying people have to because they're working with larger quantities than any small group, right? They have to prepare major changes that create means a lot of construction needs to happen for ships if a ship falls into favor or out of favor. And so they need more than just a week or so because the announcement came for uh, uh, some changes recently. And then a week later, they were actually put into uh, the game. And that just wasn't enough time to adapt uh, the logistic lines. And I think that's what he's asking for here. I don't necessarily agree with that because I feel like that is a big group concern, not necessarily a small group concern. And their answer was that sometimes with the Q&A process, the, the, sorry, the quality assurance process, they get delayed, so they don't know the exact time. But, you know, we argued whether at least they should know like a couple days in advance. And if they can give people at least 48 hour of warning, then uh, I think that's going to resolve a lot of the frustrations. Yeah, so that's uh, to answer your question about timing and CCP. Uh, he's not wrong. Uh, you know, 48 hour notice just prepares people mentally for the next time they log into the game that they're a ship that they might have favored is no longer working as it did before. Maybe there's a psychological component to it. The next question 
ideas for the CC, uh, for the CSM to further enhance experience for newer players. Yeah, I mentioned this before. Uh, there's a lot of focus basis on newer players, and I think they definitely are trying to make it so the new players uh, have roles in fleet at every level. Or this is interesting here. For example, the mining when it was just very vertical centric. If you have tried to mine recently, the a relatively quick trainly tech one barge is actually one of the most optimal solutions and just having a bunch of them. So that's one example of how they try to make the newbies more competitive in terms of um, ISK making. Another big one is the exploration. They buffed a bunch of the rewards in exploration over and over. And more recently, <clears throat> some of the unique components that you need for capitals and super capitals uh, only drop from exploration, which is something that's normally very newbie-oriented. So that's another example. But uh, the answer to your question is definitely CCP is trying to move um, move power or ability to 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 have a, an an impact uh, away from veterans and more and more make newbies competitive. Yeah, big time struggle uh, in the game. That's yeah. this old. Will yet ask in terms of economy, CCP is making the rich richer and the poor destitute. Uh, so that is correct in the terms that if you try to do scarcity in a brutal way, that's the inevitable outcome. They hope that the stockpiles will deplete over time. Uh, some some suggestions at the very early stages when they proposed scarcity were that, hey, instead of making everything cost more and less resources around, why don't you find ways to make it so people lose the ships and uh, that the, the stockpiles get depleted because people are using them. And unfortunately, so first of all, they weren't interested and they had a pretty clear idea that they want to do scarcity to begin with. But also, I have to say, I can agree with their decision now because that type of stuff where oh yeah let's just make let's just let players uh let's just rely on players killing each other unfortunately never finds itself um properly realizing itself in the reality because what people do is they still want to keep their their safety and their the way i would put this is this let's say that you make supers really cheap yeah, people will use supers more. They will lose more, a bunch of supers. But once they see that their stockpile is really getting depleted, like they can no longer SRP their supers or they can't find a new super when they lose one or their members are unable to keep up, they will stop risking the supers. And that's the problem. Anytime a solution is proposed where, oh, just make ships cheaper and then people will fight more. And it's what you saw at the I would say at the peak of the the Rorqual era, where yeah, everybody was throwing dread bombs around, and because they were so easy to replace an SRP, but was this reducing the stockpiles of of uh, dreads? No, actually, it's just that maybe for every three dreads built, one would be lost in a dread bomb, but the stockpile itself would keep going up. So unfortunately, I I now start to believe that you don't really get the change you want without something drastic like scarcity. Oh, that's a big point! Exclamation mark on that. Gobbins agrees. Scarcity was the way to go. I think it was Dunk Dinkle that really talked about, and actually Villy too, that if you if you start making it hard to build ships, people won't go out there and fight. And he and Gobbins is saying that he used to think that too, but in reality, players don't deliver on wiping out their stockpiles. Whether it's easy to build or hard to build, it almost doesn't matter because. 
uh, as soon as they see their stockpiles not being able to be refilled or grown, they actually uh, stop fighting anyway. So it doesn't matter how cheap it is. And yeah, to add another thing to this, at least for the way forward, uh, the destitute has more access to these resources than before. Because now, let's say you want to build a dread, you're relying on somebody doing exploration to find that little uh, the, the token thing that you need for the dreads. You rely on somebody in low sec harvesting a lot of the percentage of the ore and the cost of the dread. You can no longer just sit under your umbrella in one constellation and have everything come from spot and the other ore that infinitely respawn. You need somebody in ISEC to get to the ISEC ore and you need a bunch of people to go get the gas. Uh, and, uh, and lastly, you need the PI as well. So I think, and all of these things, if you think about, they are not easily, or they can't be monopolized by a capital umbrella or the rich. They come mostly from, a lot of these come from just individual activities that people can do without even being related to any corporations. So I think that they moved in the right direction with this. It just sucks that it will take a while to catch up. Um, okay, next question. Bala Maggie asks, are there any chances of seeing a revamp for the Triglavian Ores? I haven't heard any talk about Triglavian Ores and I didn't bring any up myself. I do hope that we get a uh, Pochven representative in this year. Um, Arcia was the one that reached out to us on the Arcia note Elkin that was the, the friendliest. So in the end, we put her somewhere in our ballot. Um, Maldavius also had talked to me. I like the guy. I think he has some good ideas. I Peter think he'd be a good candidate too. Uh, and I think some of the issues which with Pochven show that it would be really ideal if... Uh, it's kind of a, a longer tangent. When CCP released Pochfin, it's important to mention that was one of the times where, because they didn't want anything leaked, they basically didn't tell the CSM anything until it was uh, release time. And there's a lot of very obvious problems with uh, Pochfin's initial iteration that anybody could have pointed out. But so it is what it is. Let me stop him here. He talks about Poshvin. If you want to know more about Poshvin, the problems they have had, we just did an episode with three of the four clans in Poshvin, and they really talk about what's going on there. Recently, they at least tried to fix it a little bit by reopening Posh. I think one of the clear problems of Poshvin is the rewards, like what to do inside. Everything is mostly worthless, except... Uh, the um, like for like the, the the ore could be good, but the fact that you have to build everything inside Poch and the fact that the citadels aren't really safe now, uh, kind of a counterpoint to that. Uh, the the only thing that's really valuable in Poch are these dread sites, but they first of all now it's easy to come and contest them, and second, random people can warp in their ships and steal parts of the reward. So again, that kind of broke that. So there's many problems in Poch when uh, that. Some could be relatively simple to address, uh, and um, yeah, I hope that CC that either somebody from the Poch camp makes it into CSM, or that CCP creates a mini focus group with the Poch boys and uh, uh, implement some of the changes. That's more likely. I don't think anybody. Uh, William at uh, word fun reference enough in CSM meetings. Okay, I'm not sure what this means. Mm. Uh, Ask uh, dead LP. I caught the posh boys too. That's pretty funny. Posh representative. Does the current want to push for good the distribution of dead LP? Yeah, I think it would be excellent. Uh, so to go into the nitty gritty, he's asking about the LP <clears throat> that is necessary for 
the Eden come um, uh, LP store, and I think I don't want to be wrong, but some of it also goes from the on the LP store for like the mimesis implants and some of the Treglavian related stuff. And the way it drops right now is not very balanced. Yeah, I agree with you. I hope that they look into it. Uh, Volp. Okay, one second. Uh, yeah, uh, Volp asking. Wait, I lost. Oh yeah, going forward, at least the end of the tunnel, people stick wow. to just asking. Oh, sorry. I was just <laughs> trying to clear all the masses. <laughs> we'll jump ahead. Uh, yeah, Derkway is asking. What about the players that don't want to fight? You know, what? Uh, uh, that, that's an excellent question. And of course, uh, there are parts of the game dedicated to those players. That's also why I'm ambivalent about stuff like ganking because maybe. There should be some counterplay, at least, for the people in ISAC to prevent people just coming and forcing PvP onto them. But that's controversial. I don't have strong feelings either way. But at least regarding your uh, your question, those money-making, uh, those resource-gathering options, we call them that way, that exist in the game that are the most uh, separated from PvP, in the sense that the only way somebody can PvP you is they suicide gank you, they have been boosted recently. So yes, CCP is looking into that play cell too. Uh, without without some, repeating my... Some of you are asking, how have they been boosted? Well, basically he's saying gankers have been boosted because their ships, which they use as ammunition, right? They suicide them, so they lose them. So it's ammunition. Uh, or have gotten a lot cheaper. And the targets that they usually hunt, like freighters, jump freighters, all that, became more expensive. Therefore, their win ratio is much better than it used to be. A lot of times they would not hit a target necessarily because it just wouldn't be worth it. Their ships were overall too expensive for what's in that freighter. Um, but that equation is totally in their favor now because their stuff is dirt cheap and what they're shooting has become a lot more expensive in addition to the cargo. Myself, the fact that the ISAC war is now can only be found in ISAC and is a fundamental component of all ships. The fact that uh, some of these tokens, for example, that you can, I guess you can get them from exploration in many parts, but sort of favor a gameplay style where you can avoid PvP. Uh, and uh, generally speaking, I would say the Abyssals are the other big thing that they implemented for folks that just want to stay in ISAC and make some money. And you don't need any infrastructure, you don't need any IAB upgrade to run an Abyssal. You can run the same Abyssal from... Um, anywhere in ISAC with zero infrastructure, no corporation, no alliance, that you can run from, you know, the most defended uh, NullSec system with full infrastructure and a big alliance backing you. So um, my answer to that would be CCP definitely is looking at those those players too. And another thing, they, they're trying to constantly help people that want to get into industry. I'm not sure if the recent changes achieved that, and I'm not an industrialist myself, but there's definitely an interest of them uh, to allow more people to get in, getting into industry than just uh, super producers that have 12 accounts and uh, have the whole chain within their own characters. Mostly on the harvesting side, but not, not necessarily the production uh, side. Any word on what tech to industry changes will be? I actually haven't heard much about this. I don't know if I hmm. like distracted or something, but uh, I keep hearing about that CCP mentioned something with tech to industry changes, at least. And maybe it's a good thing that they that it is that way. They didn't share anything about this with the CSM. Uh, Let's stop there, because I'm one of the people who have said T2 is on the way. They've said it's on the way. I now take that back, because going back, trying to figure out where that was said, I don't remember if it was Caleb that said it or if 
We saw Ratati say it, I think, in an interview with Oz. I need to go back and find that reference because I am no longer sure T2 is changing. The assumption was if they're going to change T1, which they've done, and expanded the ingredient base that you need to collect in order to build stuff, that that would ripple through. And it kind of does in that it creates higher supply pressures on items that get used in T2 because those are being used for T1 now. Uh, and also that the actual ship that you build as a T1 ship, Tech 1 ship, you need it for the Tech 2 ship. So that went up in price. But I don't know if the expanding of the ingredient base is going to go to Tech 2 since it's already super expanded. You have to have moon materials to build Tech 2. So I need to go back and reference that. He's saying that CCP, uh, sorry, that CSM doesn't know anything about it. So he doesn't know where that rumor got going. He's saying maybe he wasn't paying attention. But I'm thinking that Rattati said something on an interview, and we need to go back and find it and see exactly what he said. There's some proposed changes to mining, without saying too much, which will affect tech to industry indirectly. I think they're good changes anyways. But uh, yeah, apart from that, Ooh, I, I don't really know anything else. Mining changes coming. Uh, do you have any plans for wormholes and how it is affecting the economy? So wormholes really need a wormhole expert to bring feedback. When people bring me uh, wormhole issues, I pass them along. I think a lot of other CSM members do the same, but I don't pretend that I have a good understanding of wormholes. It was great the first term. I saw that difference really clearly. Uh -huh. First term, Mizuki from Wormals was yeah, on, great CSM. and he did a lot of good work with helping CCP understand some of the problems with Wormals, allowing CCP to make many changes. Some were controversial, but nevertheless, Wormals got their attention. What happened afterwards is, as I understand it, there was so much uh, infighting between the Wormolders that they refused to put each other on each other's ballot. This is interesting. And yeah. so they didn't get any candidates. And I mentioned this in the other channel. That's why I kind of... Uh, take um, um, exception to when people say, what are the no-blocks doing to help wormolers get into CSM? I absolutely think wormolers should be represented, but I think step one is the wormolers need to sort of get, get over their pride. And yes, put your favorite wormolar at the top of your ballot. But if you're a wormolar, at least put your enemy wormolar somewhere in your ballot. So if your guy fails, uh, if you see how the elimination process works, the votes get transferred, and so at least one wormholder will be up there. If they refuse to do that, you know, I, I don't know how seriously I can take them when they're like, oh, why aren't the NOSEC guys representing us, or why aren't you putting us on, on your ballots? Uh, and especially when they specifically want you to put not just any wormholder, but their, their own guy, you know, on their ballot. Okay, having said that, I really hope that there is a warmer representative this year. I hope that if there isn't, that CCP will form some kind of focus group to talk to them. And besides that, to the best of my knowledge, one of the biggest problems in Wormos is these uh, roach fleets that they mentioned, where essentially you take a big battleship blob and, uh, well, big, like 1015, and uh, clean out the most valuable sites in many holes. And if you do get caught, because the NPCs are only tackling one of the battleships, you can MJD everybody else. You lose one battleship, but that's not a big deal. And everybody else gets safe. Uh, I want to go back to that point that he just said, because I think it's really interesting. A little bit of politics behind the scenes there. Wormholers do approach these null block guys to say, can you put our wormholer candidate on your ticket somewhere? 
And he said earlier that Arcia was the only one in the Poshvin group that really approached him and said, can you put me on your ticket? I assume it came from her. Smart play. Uh, they did put her on as number six. She's going to get some votes for that. She might even get in because of that. But um, interestingly, wormholers do the same thing, except they want their guy, not the other guy. And here's where I, again, disagree with Gobbins. He's saying like, look, wormholers want representation. They got to say, I want my guy first, but I'll take this other guy second. And if they were to do that, they would get a candidate in. They have a big enough vote, but they would have to do their guy and then the alternative guy one after the other. The problem is with wormholes is they don't fight over politics. I think they fight over mechanics. And that's different than NullSec, for instance. NullSec is just fighting over basic politics and, you know, big boy stuff or whatever. But wormholers are saying this is what the nature of wormholes are. We want that or don't want that changed. And this other guy is the exact opposite of what I think. I think it's a lot more about the actual mechanics than the politics. I could be wrong, but uh, that's why it's hard to unify a wormholer vote. Uh, yeah, I do hope that they, they look at wormholes and, and address that. Again, like Poshman, uh, form see. a committee, get some information. You don't have to have a CSM rep if you, Buffs, if you don't have ship, one. Do the that. nerfing meta ships. I think they have done that, right? They, For example, take one of my favorite... Uh, I think something that they did that's very good is when they look at uh, dictors and they see, okay, everybody's flying sabers. What can we do to make the other dictors also valuable and just an alternative to the saber? Some may be slower, but as more tank or something, some as a bit better guns or whatever. And then they did these passes and now it's no longer just the saber as default. So I, I think they've been doing that, like trying to nerf other ships. They try to boost other ships. Another example is with battleships, right? They keep trying to make the battleship class viable problem is that it, as they buffed it, it also became more expensive due to the industry changes. Not a big fan of, sorry, I don't think they should have increased the cost of battleships. But anyways, they took our feedback and then uh, they, they proceeded. But that's an example. They sounds definitely like, did many passes like to buff battleships, um, etc. I think it would be cool if they look at Tech 1 cruisers as well. Right now, Caracol is so good, but the others are kind of trash. And there could be a place in between Desis and battle cruisers for a low, uh, low effort gang that people can take out. I'm going to do a quick pause. I want to clear something up. Thank you for looking that up. Who was that? Uh, Master Chasm. Uh, here it is right here inside of the dev blog. A significant update to industry. This is the dev blog that announced these industry changes that were coming. And it is located right here. Uh, this new update will expand to all tech to ships, not modules, but ships in the future. So partially true. And that's what we were basing a lot of our information on. A much a different power block CSM members actually cooperate. I think there's good cooperation on the CSM, even between blocks. I was surprised even within the war. Some odd topics where it's like it really favors one side or the other uh, have become, I would say, kind of stuck during the war. Now, remember, uh, both Kenneth uh, Feld and Brisk made a big to-do about this. Don't make any changes, CCP, during this war. And a lot of us were saying, hey, we can't stop game progress because of your war. Get over it. And, uh, and they were saying, yeah, we know. Do, do things that you need to do, but don't change anything significant during this war because we don't want CCP to pick one side or the other to win the war. And I get what they're saying, but they're also um, asking a lot. And so this is what uh, Gobbins is saying the CSM 
and CCP basically talked about where they were like, you know, should we or shouldn't we make changes that are going to be significant? And I think they actually cut right down the middle. Let's see. It's just not something that's easy to make progress on, both because it's there will be strong opinions on both sides, for or against, and both because CCP doesn't want to risk seeing seen as being playing favorites by changing something that's key to the war. But nevertheless, sometimes they did the changes anyways. Uh, like with the decloaker thing, I think it's a good example. Yeah, people uh, thought the war was going to be a lot shorter for will sure. Will electronic attack ships be looked at? Namely the Sentinel. Marauders are being uh, getting lots of love. Bastion mode will talk to when. I haven't heard anything about either of those. Sorry about that. Uh, any good rewards coming from fielding? Okay, no, sorry. This is not a question. <laughs> I imagine going through like uh, index Banks cards. Distribute relic <laughs> exploration sites. I'm not aware of this big imbalance, actually. So if you can do me a good write-up with like proper, not just one line where it's like the redistribute relics, but if you can do an explanation, maybe even with some data or um, like this. lists of why the loot here is better than the loot there and it's very imbalanced. Uh, that's the perfect kind of feedback can be um, forwarded to CCP, especially the economy team. Did you like that the regions have some uh, differences, like and some may be more valuable than others. Uh, real quick, before you answer that question, that's a really good CSM uh, note that if you want to get a change, if you actually feel strongly about something, the best way to do it is to say, here's an issue, here's why it's an issue, uh, here are some supporting facts, figures, screenshots, whatever. And, uh, and if you were to turn it in that way to a CSM member and he could pass it on to CCP, or submit it to CCP themselves, you would get a lot better chance of getting some action than uh, to yell about it and complain and, and to basically perform knowledge in front of other people. Okay, here's a question they just asked. Uh, I'll go back just a bit for it. But if it's extremely uh, loop, um, okay, that's what I'm looking for, lopsided, uh, then yeah, they will intervene. Uh, somebody's asking new players in industry. I mentioned this before, they are trying. They even those blueprints that they were giving out for free uh, when you log in, they were hoping that they would encourage players to try basic industry. Um, they're they're working on it. I think they're trying different things and seeing what uh, what sticks, basically. But it's definitely their intention to have new players participate in the industry beyond just harvesting. Uh, does CCP appreciate the need to improve FC's quality of life? So if I, I have answer to that. answer you directly. Definitely not as much as I would like them to. Uh, and that's something we would just keep on trying to highlight to CCP. Uh, I'm glad that with CCP Swift now joining the team, I believe he can bring the perspective of why NFC. FCs are really important. Uh, and I do think that CCP is starting to get it more and more. But uh, at least before we started our work, I didn't feel that they really understood uh, how much FCs mattered, you know, not just for the game and the content, but even their... Uh, here's where he goes into it. I thought he did it earlier, but he goes back into this topic. I think it's very important to him, him being an FC as well. Listen to what, how he sees fleet commanders. I think it's a very telling. Business model, basically. Like, if you think about it, the way their customers... A lot of people play almost because of their FC. Either a, a team of FCs 
or even their own favorite FC, where they will resub and play when the FC subs and unsub when the FC stops subbing. It's almost like the you have people subbing to um, streaming services when their favorite show is on, and then they don't care so much when that show is not on. I think there's a lot of similar dynamics with some of the FCs in EVE. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope that they they get a better understanding of this. Question. Yeah, Kismet here asking if, uh, basically says uh, new players, uh, key players working in CCP on tutorial. They've been doing that for years. And even when I was there, when we could still fly to Iceland, at the summit, they had us test one of the new um, tutorials with the eye tracking and all. And they, they're really trying. It's it's surprisingly very challenging, both tutorial NP and uh, the what's it called, uh, setting up the overview. It's, it sounds like a lot of people think it's trivial to, for CCP to just make a really good overview as default. And it's surprising how actually, even when they tried, I think at one point they, had, they, they told Jintan, okay, just design an overview and we'll try it. And uh -huh. they tried that and it's still people weren't happy. Interesting. Uh, very complex thing to solve. I think what... Did you catch that? Jintan actually sketched up what the overhaul, what the overview should look like for new players. This is probably three, four years ago. Uh, this has always been something they talked about. And uh, they do a lot of A-B testing at, um, uh, at CCP. They pay a lot of attention to this. Is how, do you, how do you let somebody get acclimated to EVE Online? What's the best way to do that? That's a huge focus for them. And he explains that a little bit here. But what I didn't know until just this is that uh, one of the CSM members got to sketch out what they thought a good UI would look like. And they did test it, and it just didn't test as well as anything else. So there is no secret, super experienced EVE player that's going to figure out how best to create a UI that introduces new players to EVE Online. Uh, that's why they're trying to fail fast and learn from those experiments. And, uh, and they've been doing that now for a few years. Might be good is to try a totally radically different thing where instead of the player starting the tutorial in space, they start the tutorial in some kind of like an abyssal pocket in terms of it's just on rails. It's just this one thing. It's more graphically heavy. So, because look, if you just look visually how the tutorial looks in EVE, it's the background is great, but otherwise it's really kind of underwhelming. And it is that way because you have to design it in a way where it spawns in some kind of uh, dead space pocket or anomaly in space, the way it's designed now, right? So there's only so much you can put there to make it look good and, and compelling. You're also forced to be in a Corvette because otherwise, let's say that you spawn in like, I don't know, a battleship, then anybody would just make new accounts and trade the battleship, right? But if you did it in something like an abyssal pocket where any anyways you can't take anything out, you know what I mean? I, that's, mm -hmm. That was my suggestion to at least like for CCP idea. try and look at that alternative direction. I just don't think that but, a player yeah, wants to go from the battleship back to one of the things they're investing most of the resources on. And there's, they have, their data already shows that they have had big improvements. You can see that they, right. they gloat about it in their own presentation, so I don't want to go over it again. But they have made progress in that sense, even if from our perspective as veterans, we may not see it. <clears throat> uh, something... I'll pause. This is not a point that advanced players really care about, but there is, uh, we did have CCP on and we talked about what they're trying to do. And, and they have these funnels where they try to get people deeper and deeper into a funnel, right? So it starts out with a, a huge amount of people getting involved in EVE, but as 
time goes on, a lot of them fall out of the game. And what they want to do is get people going a little further and a little further and a little further into the game until you get like months into it. And then they're probably going to stick around. Statistics show. So how do you get them a little further down that funnel? There's been a lot of science and work done on that. That's what CCP is focusing a ton of effort on. And uh, there's a lot of success there. We should check back in with CCP and see how they've been doing it, you know, about a year later. Yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to go over all these questions. So I'll try to be faster. If CCP has ideas to bring down the number of everyone in system. So entropy, yeah, that was the idea with AGSOF, that people will spread more. Uh, I don't think that quite worked out. <laughs> There's always some ideas that are popped up. I remember when Olmeca was on the CSM and he proposed, I think it's fair to to disclose, I think he said to everybody, uh, that like this was an extreme solution where essentially uh, Sov would end up being fought over in like an alliance tourney style, 5v5s or 10v10s. Hilarious, right? And Gladiators. I think that goes way too far. But just to give you an idea of the, the, the breadth of different solutions that were proposed by various people on the CSM. <clears throat> and one of the hardest thing is that whenever you try to design something for the people to spread, like Aegis Sov, what ends up happening is that people still tend to blob because it's so, um, N plus one is just so strong. And if due to the lack of anything like a line of sight, like a mechanic where uh, you have diminishing returns if you have too many people close to each other. So I think rather than intervening on sub, there's various ideas that on how you could make it so being too close to many other friendly ships gives you a penalty. But anyways, I think it would be better solved in, in that direction instead. Um, but yeah, CCP is interested in splitting people up rather than mega blob in one, one place. Spreading them out into different systems. Any plans to create more battleship Precious. roles? Yeah, as I mentioned, they keep uh, trying to boost battleships. And I think everybody on the CSM for two years has always agreed when CCP proposes boost your battleships. Uh, at one point, even... So this, anyways, I don't think will ever happen. But even an idea of giving battleship very short-range jump drives was pitched where it would help their mobility a bit to at least get unstuck from situations. Uh, I don't think they're going to go that far, but just to give you an idea of how many, um, how many ways people have tried to suggest boost to battleships. Uh, Wolf Duke, as he's asking about T3Cs, I absolutely agree that T3Cs need more love. The blobs changes should help T3Cs a bit in the sense it's easier to move them around by spending less fuel. Uh, some of us have been asking for a while now that T3C skill loss be removed. I think this would be a great time to do that. The skill loss from T3Cs made sense when they came out and they were like super OP. Uh, but now they, I, I don't think they're that good in the meta anymore to warrant punishing, you know, the pilot with taking away skill points. This yeah, you just, lose uh, skill points if you die I hope in that a they, Tech 3 ship. They removed well, that. I spoke to a few people at cruiser. CCP that are involved in this, uh, spoke to them directly, and they seem to understand and uh, agree that they should probably either completely remove the skill loss or you know, dampen it somehow, but we'll see. I don't know how long it will take. I don't know if they'll do it, but I think they're interested. Uh, well, the other thing is the skill loss wasn't an unknown thing to EVE Online. When T3s came out, you could lose skill points, not for being in a T3, but actually just not cloning properly. Even if you didn't get an insured clone, you would lose uh, your last level five skill. You'd lose about half that, about 250,000 XP or uh, SP. And even if you didn't clone enough, 
you could lose SP. So when you were gaining experience, you would need to pay attention to how many SP points you had, skill points you had, because your clone might not be able to cover all of it. And so losing SP was something you did in the game, which was kind of cool. It was a funnel for SP. But since they removed all that, you still have T3 that is a ship that if you get destroyed and you will lose SP, it just doesn't make as much sense. And so that's what they were talking about there. Uh, unknown is asking about T3C skill points. Yep, that's uh, what I mentioned. Uh, Myopic asking, will see changes to jump mechanics? Uh, no, I don't think they'll remove uh, jump fatigue. I think that they implemented that as emphasis as it sounds as a mechanic because people were just able to jump everywhere on the map with big sino chains and you would have uh, cap heavy groups showing up to any fight anywhere in eve and kind of i don't know if there's a way to fix that besides the hard stop which is jump fatigue like you can't jump so many jumps at once all right got another what do we have here 10 minutes uh, Meg's asking about making mar uh, components market viable. I think this is a complex answer as to do a lot without these things are taxed if you put them up. I agree with you, it's a big problem. Um, in fact, even in, internally, I was thinking if we should try to have some kind of market that bypasses the tax so people, smaller players can run reactions and stuff like that, or components. But yeah, good question. No, I haven't seen a solution by CCP yet. Um, could use some good market changes. I don't oh, like that came up, few came up a few times. Removing bogus contracts from Corp and Alliance, like being able to, if it's an Alliance contract or a Corp contract, the directors being able to take it down. Hmm. That follows the see. That's exactly why it's important to have our own representatives in the CSM. That's the kind of thing where uh, you have to bring it up. It's kind of a small thing, right? But then it might eventually get addressed and. Uh, um, Right now, it's a problem for none, the last thing we had asked is some too. changes about the the fleet window. So I'm kind of waiting for those to go through before just stacking more requests. But that's definitely something I'll be asking uh, after that. Yeah, that contracts thing has uh, been a big problem during this war for uh, Dynamite asking happy, about actually. caps in PVE and uh, whether I'm satisfied how the ESS works. I feel that CCP needs to make up their mind here because they do want bigger ships out there, including in PV at risk, but they also don't seem completely convinced, for example, that a supercarrier should be an ISK-making ship. I disagree. I think one of the only way in which you can really have a role for super supers like on the long term is to also give them a PV and kind of a whale role that they can be hunted and there's an advantage in defending them. But this has to be implemented in a way where somehow it doesn't go out of control with the economy, turning them into out of balance money printing machines. Without belaboring the point too much, there's ways to do that, particularly if the sites for the supers were so rare that even if you have, you know, like a giant ton of supers in a small area of space, oops, they can just all start farming, uh, other things like that. I am strongly convinced that you cannot have supers out there in the anomalies the way they are now because it's just janky you have these anomalies designed for subcaps and then you bring a super and it's like enormous apm to blap all the rats really quick and there's nothing really tackling you it's just kind of dumb so for maybe a year now i kind of asked if it wouldn't make sense to have some super cap specific sites and the answer has always been yes so they definitely understand that that's a, 
a requirement. They only recently had a person dedicated to just making PV sites in general, mostly for events, but uh, I brought up whether it, it was possible for him to also work in some kind of super cap site, and he said yes. So I don't know what will happen in future, uh, but I think a solution like that would be the optimal one for bringing caps into PVE. So sites that are four caps in PVE. And so if the cap ISK making goes out of control, you can also nerf that by just addressing their sites instead of having to mess with everybody's sites because the, the same sites are being run by, you know, the guy in his Myrmidon and the guy in his snakes. So that would be my answer. As far as ESS, I feel that um, we haven't really had a chance to to try it ourselves. So I don't know because it came out during the war and by then there wasn't much to steal from uh, already. Uh, I tried DSS personally myself a little bit in Fountain. That's when we were already in Delve and the guys in Fountain, they were trying to do like home defense, but they were so separated that most of the time they just gave up DSS. I like the fact that CCP has kept iterating on the ISS. So if you notice, it came out, then they did one patch where they restricted the hours and they made some other changes. And then it was too restricted in another patch where it uh, they widened the, the hours, let the payout, how long the money sticks inside this ESS. So I like that. I also reached out personally to several uh, smaller um, smaller gang players, uh, for example, uh, the streamer guy, Bjorn B had a lot of good feedback about this because he's done a lot of ESS and then passed that to CCP. Um, so overall, uh, I would say I'm satisfied with ESS. I'm not a big fan of the idea of the reserve key, even though right now it seems like it will be something very good for us when it, com when it finally comes out. Uh, and apart from that, I think the ESS is just oh, that's one an interesting point. initial... Hold on, didn't think about that. Uh, it depends. ESS, these uh, keys that are going to be delivered in this quarter, so probably in the next month, maybe two, is going to lead to a lot of money that uh, being available out there if you can get into the battle zones and fight and actually win. And it seems to me that the best poised people to do that are the ones that are not necessarily trapped in 1DQ. Uh, so it might be a pretty interesting payday. I don't know how big it's going to be. There is a number out there, but I'm not sure what it is. Uh, it'd be several several billion, but I don't know uh, if it reaches a trillion. It might might actually might actually I, I don't know, but it's it's a lot. Uh, I don't know if it's the kind of money that changes the fate of a war, but yeah, Pappy's in a better position to capture that money than. Uh, Goons for me, so it might make a difference. So kind of low-hanging fruits of ways in which they should implement for smaller groups to be able to extract resources from a big space. Like ESS alone isn't going to fix the problem, but a number of things like DSS, whether it's some kind of pipelines where resources move that you can steal from, whether it's some kind of uh, you can steal fuel or taxes, uh, there's some problem with that, but you know, ideas like that, where it's something related to mining and the moon chunks, whether you can still something related to that. Many ways in which the roaming fleets have more ways to interact with all cell space than just two things, A, killing a ship, or B, reinforcing a structure. I think that would be fantastic. So I'm satisfied that the ESS is a step in the right direction there. Um, Kismetir asking about streamer mode. Uh, we, Torvald, big streamer we had him on the csm this year i know he's talked to them about many things related to streaming i don't know if this was one of them 
Um, and I think it's important, by the way, to have a streamer either on the CSM or a community of streamers with close contact with CCP. They they also implemented the partner program this year, right, to mm -hmm. help streamers. So that's that's a good thing. It's mostly designed for streamers, really. It's not designed Darby's for organizations. If uh, CCP is planning to make normal gas easier to move, uh, I I can't answer that. Uh, missed it. Uh, addressing inflation, scale the UI. I don't know much about this, like uh, changing UI scale. If it's a big problem, like stuff like that, like red dot, like UI related stuff, the best is to give it visibility. Again, make a good post, a good feedback. We can either send it directly to CCP or if it gets a lot of traction on Reddit, Reddit is not the best place, but it's useful for this. If it's a problem that many people care about, that's a, a good way to give it visibility and we can make sure CCP sees the, the post. <clears throat> uh, a question about Angel Cartel Capital Ships release. I think that that's really not a priority right now. It's hard to balance the caps that are out there. I I feel it's one of those things that and this, you know, I, many people might disagree, but I hate when some kind of almost uh, flare thing is pushed, becomes a meme for CCP and they get distracted from important changes. I don't want them to add angel capitals until the current capitals are fixed, particularly stuff like the Zenitra, stuff like the other faction capitals, which right now have basically no reason whatsoever to be used. So that would be my question regarding the angel uh, capital ships. Otherwise, it's just basically a very expensive skin. I, and, you know, it does take effort for the developers to make an entire new ship, both graphically, balancing it, making it attentive to the ESI. I would advise against this compared I'm gonna skip to... skip this. We're so running a bit late. Cope is asking whether CCP is planning to, considering adding a completely new ship type, to share. We'll skip that too. For supers could be kept in check. That was before the huge nerfs, both to super survivability, their attack strength. Like think about how many nerfs have happened to supers then. The HP nerfs, uh, the removal of um, how to say so. Um, the 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 application changes. So for Titans, the removal of OS. Uh, high angle weapons and uh, the application changes to bosons. Like, if you remember, there was a time where you just park a bunch of boson titans on a gate in yeah. a Sandgem system and just boson everything that comes in. Easy yeah. peasy, right? Yeah. That's gone. And for the super carriers, apart from the massive nerf to the HP, uh, think how much stuff. By the way, the, those that weren't here when when uh, Titans first came out, they used to have just one area of damage. Uh, doomsday device, which was really cool. It was very imaginary, uh, very imagination filling. But then they said, that's too powerful, so we'll make it one concentrated beam that can be a, a, a cap killer, so you could destroy carriers to dreads with one blast. And then when they redid the uh, Titans, they decided they were going to give an option of four different doomsdays, and one of them was a cone-shaped blast that was meant to take out a fleet. Well, what Killer B did and some of these other Titan pilots early on is they jump behind a gate they would put a scout out they would the scout would detect a fleet coming into a gate and the titan would blast the cone shaped doomsday and it would just annihilate an entire fleet they nerfed that pretty quickly they nerfed they nerfed fighter application in general they nerfed the number of tubes that, so that you can no longer have the as many supports uh yeah, they removed the support fighters when the weapon scramble uh, from the from the supercarriers. 
uh, they increase the heavy fighter tubes, remove those tubes. Uh, they um, uh, the the fighters themselves the the uh, the application was changed, so they're not as good against subcaps. And then for the support fighters, they made them so, especially the siren, they're not as mobile, so they changed the MWD to AB. Anyways, where I'm getting with this is. And then also they made them super expensive with the scarcity patch and the industry revamp. So what I'm getting with this is that the problem with heavy bombers is they were an initially pitched solution before all of these changes. And now, like, I don't know, the place supers are in, it's kind of tricky to just give some bomber the ability to delete them. So I still hope that they do something like that. Uh, if not the heavy bomber, something similar that people have pitched very often is some kind of subcap or something in between a cap and a super that can fit like a single capital turret but uh, with oh, a big bonus move ahead so, for the last minute uh, uh the logion kill mails that required to go in both oh all right great so oh, no. that's, i can't answer that sorry too far back take capital weapon i don't you know random people on reddit uh every Here's time this minute. is brought up kill mails. the issue is the kind of coding and, and work that required to go in both in the planning, like what counts as logic should be on this skill mill. And as far as code goes, uh, is such that the um, there's some other priority that those engineers need to work on. And so it it just never makes it to, to something that's implemented. I think I said this before, but I wouldn't be surprised if one day this is something that a few people, a few engineers try to work on and then they didn't want to disclose it because then people have expectations and they don't know if it will work or break everything. I wouldn't be surprised if one day they just say, hey, we, we got it to work and you now have Logion kill mills. And um, yeah. Yep. Okay. I think yeah, that's I think it. So uh, yeah, if you have last questions, you can throw them out now. Uh, there's one about T3 freaks. I haven't seen any plans for that. I thought there's going to be... Uh, T3 freaks, but it wouldn't be a bad idea. All right, he wraps up here. Yeah, we're yeah, we're in the last minute. Would be good to to add on kill mills. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, voting is closing in less than three days, so please make sure you vote with build a relation. That was a while ago. This was again on uh, Sunday or Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Then uh, thanks for joining, and um, that's. Um, I think I'll have another meeting like this just as a war update after the CSM elections. Might be either the week after or two weeks after. And to thank everybody for the votes. And yeah, have a good day, guys. All right, that's awesome. I was hoping for some war news in there. I didn't detect any. It was all CSM and play, gameplay stuff, but it was still very interesting. And I think we got some insight on how CSM works, how NullSec in the form of uh, Gobbins looks at the CSM and uh, how the game is being formed. And then you got some historical insights on uh, stuff that had happened in the past. Uh, this is pretty cool. We'll probably get a war update next time, and that's what we're looking forward to. We'll bring in the other ones, Test and uh, Imperium, to see what they're thinking at the same time. Uh, but this time I wanted to focus on Gobbins. I think he's a great player, great mind, uh, and again, a thought leader for EVE Online. So it's good to kind of uh, get some insight into him talking to his guys, Pandemic Horde. That's all we have time for today. We're going to send you over to Open Comms in the Pleasure Hub. Have a nice, relaxing rest of Friday. 
and have a great weekend. We'll see you on Sunday for Talking in Station's weekend wrap-up. And I want to say one last thing. We said that Friday was going to be when they would announce. I don't know where I got that information from. I think it was someone inside of uh, TIS. I'll just throw them under the bus because I don't know where I got that. (laughs) But it is actually, and I got this from the source, Monday. uh, That is when they're going to do it at around 1800. You're going to want to watch that on CCP TV, which is Twitch, uh, CCP Games. You want to watch that channel for the election results for CSM 16. Okay, we will see you Sunday for now. Uh, Enjoy open comps.